We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. And we have a special, special episode today. Not just because Robbie has decided to join us, but we got a great show. Uh, We have four mid-major coaches. We're going to talk about the trials and tribulations of of being a mid-major head coach in this day and time of college basketball, which uh, is not easy. Uh, Rob, listen. All you guys should be honored because Rob skipped out last week on a national championship head coach, Scott Drew. Skipped out to play golf or I don't know what he was doing, but he is here for you guys today. And uh, let's do roll call first of all. Rob, then you can take a shot at me, uh, as is normally the case. Uh, We welcome in Fairfield head coach Jay Young, uh, Brian Mullen, Southern Illinois, who actually I covered when he played. Uh, He was a lot tougher than you, Rob. He could actually defend as well. Uh, Delaware head coach Martin Inglesby and Howard head coach Kenny Blake Blakeney. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, go ahead, Rob. You can take your shot now. I, I have no words. You know, I don't get paid in the summer, so anytime I show up, it's it's like a pro bono law deal that I'm doing. I I, I I'm just happy to be here with these great coaches. Not you, you. get paid in knowledge. In knowledge, yes, Rob. exactly. That's how you get paid. Uh, all right, let, let's start out with. I think the easiest question of all, all of you guys, I brought you on for a reason, not just because you're mid-major head coaches, but because you all got hit in the portal this year. Uh, Jay, you you lost a few players, one of which was your best player, Supreme Cook, the last day the portal closed, I believe, for undergrads. Um, Brian, you lost your two top players to Illinois and Purdue. Martin, you've lost a bunch of players uh, over the last couple of years to the portal. Jameer Nelson went to TCU this year. And Kenny, uh, you lost a couple of players to, to high majors as well. Hawkins and Settle went to Minnesota and, and Temple. And another Jordan Wood went to Tulane. Um, Jay, let, let's start with you. And the question go to everybody, but we'll start with you of just what is it like Take me through what life is like these days as a mid-major to, to navigate this world in which, again, you never know you're entirely safe because you thought you were safe with Supreme Cook and he went in the portal at the 11th hour. Yeah, it's uh, it's complicated. We, I think we're all trying to figure out. I said that the portal is a little bit like uh, you know Tinder for divorcees. I've had a ba- bad breakup. Someone else has had a bad breakup. 
let's get online and try and uh, figure it out. So, you know, you lose some guys to the portal and, and kind of it's the first place you go to look to try and replace him is, is right back at it. So I think all of us at our level and in our league particularly is trying to figure out, Jeff, how to best navigate, uh, you know, this new reality in college basketball. Brian, what was it like? I mean, you lost your, again, you're looking at your team coming back and a team that could win maybe the league this year, and maybe you still can, but you're losing again, your, your two best player, you know, maybe on paper is certainly Domas goes to Illinois and Lance Jones goes to Purdue. Um, just how do you, how do you go about this mentally almost every year? Yeah, I mean, you know, with our two guys, you know, they were both here for four years with me from the start, you know, when I when I got the job here and graduated, great students, uh, represent the program extremely well, obviously have the fifth year because of COVID. And I think that's the thing that has changed a lot. This, you know, these guys having five years of eligibility has really probably been the biggest change is just with how old college basketball is and then every kid having that extra year of eligibility has really shifted the dynamics of it. So, um, you know, obviously for them to be here all four years and their families to believe in our program. And, you know, we had a great season last year. Um, you know, would I have loved to have them back for another year for sure. Um, but I think in terms of transferring and, and, you know, everyone has their reasons, you know, thing I stress just from our league is for those guys, you know, it shouldn't be a basketball reason. Um, you know, we've had players drafted from our league. We had a first rounder this year from Belmont, you know, in terms of basketball situation, in terms of being able to put yourself in the best basketball situation. You know, you look at the NBA players, it's full of guys from, you know, low major, mid major, high major league. So that's the biggest thing, you know, um, but everyone has different reasons why. Um, and with those two guys, you know, like I said, you know, to be here all four years, graduate, leave with a degree. Um, you know, I wish I could coach them another year because, you know, I love those guys, but I understand in terms of, you know, for those reasons why they wanted to leave. Martin, you know, when you find these dudes, because you're finding them, a lot of times it's just like good evaluations. And you've done it several times here over the last four or five years. The latest being Jameer Nelson Jr. The high majors didn't really want him. They passed on him. You get him, you develop him. And then you kind of wave goodbye to them when the high majors come in, especially with NIL now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the challenging situation that we face at the mid-major level, uh, especially with COVID and these guys having an extra year. Um, you know, the most important recruits we have are the guys in our program. So you're trying to develop relationships and build trust year over year. And, you know, for me, we've gotten dinged the last couple of years and the timing of everyone is a little different. I think we all fear that text where you get like, hey, coach, can I come into the office and talk? Yeah. And then you're trying to think of like, all right, where this is where this is going to go. Um, you know, I do think the windows have helped. I had a kid come in in June a couple of years ago that left uh, midway through summer school. And then we go to the NCAA tournament. And then two weeks later, you get a Andrew Carr coming in and said, hey, I want to leave the explore plan at the high major level. And, you know, Jameer, you know, each situation is different. You, you want to give them the opportunity to have the most success on the basketball court as they can. And then you kind of keep your fingers crossed um, that they want to stick it out. And I think there's a lot of nights where you say, hey, what if? What if I had this guy? What if I had this group together for one or two years? And, you know, I've kind of got myself, you can't live in that world. You got to, you got to move forward. You got to think forward and um, you want to 
you know, I put my head down at night knowing these guys had a great experience and you help them become better basketball players. And, you know, if they choose to leave, then we're right into the portal again and trying to get somebody else to, to try to take their spot. How frustrating is it, Kenny? <laughs> it's frustrating as hell. You know, you, you, we at Howard, we had our best year or second best year in the university's history of the program. Uh, where we won the MEAC championship. We had a chance to go to the NCAA tournament and face Kansas. And uh, the same group should have probably been together for the next two years. And uh, we get back to Washington, D.C. after losing to Kansas. We have our exit meetings on Monday. Nobody says that they're leaving. And, uh, you know, you start to get those text messages like Martin talks about, like, you know, hey, coach, are you around? I want to come in and talk to you. Um, I got two of those calls when I was in Mexico with my family on vacation. And so my vacation became a work vacation um, as I'm trying to salvage, you know, that, but also look in the portal and talk to our guys to see like, Hey, we, if this happens, like we need to be ready. So um, it's, it's a new rhythm, right? And uh, it's a new world. And it's just kind of one of those things where I, I think of it like a Seinfeld episode. Like it's, you know, it's, it's not you, it's, it's me. <laughs> kind of thing but uh you know it's 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 something that we just have to get adjusted to i know for me i i took it really personal and really hard um and and i i'm not gonna you know hide behind like oh it's great no it it, it absolutely sucked <laughs> and uh it just took it took a lunch with one of my players to kind of get me going in a in a in a way of looking at it where it was like sometimes you can be better with subtraction uh, and, and, and get better. And uh, once he mentioned that to me and kind of explained it to me, I was, that helped a whole lot. So um, yeah, but it, it's been challenging. Coach, we can start with you. Is there any way to protect or insulate your roster against this attrition? And I know it's really hard because if, if you win games and you have good players, at, it looks like there's going to be high majors trying to poach them. But is there anything that you can do maybe to be proactive about the situation? Yeah, I, I, you know, relationships have always been important in, in coaching. I think they're, they're more important now with your players. But to answer you, Robbie, I, I don't think so. The only way that you could probably do it is, is get in the transfer portal uh, and get someone young who you know you're going to have for a couple of years, two, uh, three years, because he can't transfer again. That's really the only way you're protected with the way the rules are. Uh, if you can get someone, uh, you know, because they have cracked down on a lot of the waiver situations. But but that's really it. Um, you hope that you do the right things by them and that they love the school and, and their teammates and, and all of those type of things are important. But even with that, I think in this climate, you've got to be prepared, as uh, Kenny said, and uh, that they, they can, can all come in and say that they're going. That's really what it's like right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're looking at roster management now almost like an NBA team, uh, how many years you can have guys. Uh, I said this, the difference, the, the difference between the NBA and the college level right now is at least the NBA has a salary cap and they have multi-year contracts where, you know, we don't have either right now and guys can come in kind of from year to year and leave you. Has anybody else maybe seen anything that you could maybe do to be proactive in this situation? 
I mean, I think NIL plays a part in this, you know, if you're able to have a collective or, or resources to be able to, you know, entice a student athlete like that to, you know, maybe benefit financially uh, from name, image, and likeness. And obviously it's new. We're trying to build it. Um, the education piece for us on, on our campus has been really strong with our administration and, you know, what they're communicating to our student athletes. Um, you know, you talk about the horror stories, we're on the road and everybody's saying, hey, this kid's supposed to get $150,000 and he only got 10 as of April 1st. So you're, you're having those conversations. But I think, you know, you know, it trickles down from the NBA and, and these kids in this generation of like, you got to do what's best for you. And, you know, maybe I'm a little old school or a little old school. It's like, you know, the loyalty to, you know, the opportunity that was given to some of these kids, you know, is kind of, you know, water under the bridge and, and they just got to do what's best for them. And, and, you know, it's like once it starts getting really good, then it's not good enough for some of these kids. And they feel like they got to make that jump and, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to re-recruit kids into our program where they put their name in the portal. And, um, you know, you take it personal. You know, the worst thing is, is when I got to go tell my AD that this kid came in and he wants to leave. Right. And they've had a great experience. But, um, you know, now it's like, all right, you want to leave? And, and I got to operate like those kids aren't coming back because 99% of the time they're not. Coach Mullins, I'll ask you, what can be done about this? Because... To me, it seems like the NCAA tournament has has blown up to what it is because of mid-majors making it an incredible event. But at the same time now, it seems like the NCAA has done things to undercut that level of basketball. Is there anything that can be done to to help you guys keep players? Um, you know, I, I think that's the NCAA tournament is what makes, you know, mid-majors and low-majors so important in college basketball because of the revenue that the NCAA gets from the NCAA tournament compared to college football. And I think that's a positive for our sport uh, and why, you know, I, I feel comfortable that, you know, our programs can still compete at the highest level. Um, you know, some of the NCAA tournament stuff and trying to compete at that level, I think, has to do with scheduling and the net and everything like that. But I think it's a, it's a college basketball, if you want to call it a problem or issue, because, I mean, the high majors are losing some of their best players to other high majors, you know, and everyone's dealing with it. It's not so much low major, mid major. Now we're losing our players up where they're losing their players to each other in the leagues and everything like that. But you have final four teams who kids off starters are transferring. You have best players from teams that have won league championships at the high major level are transferring. So it, it's a whole it's not just, you know, it's not like the high major level, the BCS schools aren't dealing with it either. It's just different. You know, it's just different. Coach Blakeney, is there anything that you've seen that maybe can can help you guys? No, I, I think everybody really kind of added a whole lot to this, this question. I mean, when I think about it, there's some like fantasy stuff that I think about, right? It is Should we be going more to like a pro model where there is free agency and there is like contracts and there is... So you have a little bit more of some structure that we can work around. Um, I, I, I was having nightmares, you know, after our season going, you know, we had such a good year. And then, you know, with three of our top players, our top three scores leaving um, and, and not having anything coming in at that point in time, I was like, everybody's going to think I'm a horrible coach now, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's like, it's it, so it, it, if there was more structure to it, if there was more, um, I think a little bit more of a, a vision of kind of like the NBA where there is, you know, 
years. There is free agency. I mean, hell, let's even take, take it to trades. Like if, if you want to go to a, you know, a school, like there should be some type of compensation maybe back. Um, but just, you know, that's just a fantasy kind of way to look at it. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's nothing that can be done right now. No. Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee in the morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is, AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one, and man, that could not be more true. It's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of February and the month of March when you are in my business. And AG1 was exactly the supplement that I needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional bases for the day. I've continued that into April. I've continued that into May, and I'm going to continue that the rest of the summer. All I have to do is mix a scoop of AG1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and I'm ready to go. Do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What, um, the, the, the deadline for the portal was May 11th, right, Jay? May 11th, I assume Supreme went in. 11th or 12th. Yeah, 11th or 12th. 11th or 12th. Uh, for for grads, shoot these these kids could go in. If you still got a grad in your, on your team right now, I've said this. And if you're going on like a foreign trip, be careful. Like, be careful how much you play these kids because they could come back off that trip and be like, "I'm going to the portal," and a week later, they're on a different campus, uh, ready to go. Um, what what can be done about that? What's what's the perfect date for you guys in terms of? I think it should be universal you know, grads or undergrads, it shouldn't matter. But is there a is there a perfect date for, for you guys, Jay? One day after the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think about a month, that's what I would say. That's what, you know, I, I think it's way too long now. I mean, let's be honest. 
it's not like when your season ended, it's the first time that these guys have thought about leaving. And, and that's the other scary part. You're trying to coach him at the uh, end of February and March, and a guy comes in your office the day after the season ends, and the first thing that you think of, well, how long has he been thinking about this? You're trying to win games with some of these guys. So I think a lot of them, Jeff, have been thinking about it already. And, um, you know, I, I just think right now it's way too long and, and they need to shorten up, you know, significantly. I would say about a month is, is plenty of time. Brian? Yeah, I, I think 30 days. I, I think I saw that as trying to pass it or something like that, you know, in terms of the 30-day window. I mean, I think that gives, you know, the kids and their families plenty of time to talk and discuss and give coaches a couple of weeks after the season as well um so yeah i mean i would say between yeah i mean 30 to 45 days is probably long enough to try to make a decision you've been with the program for the last nine months a year so you kind of know uh you know kind of about the coach and the style of play and locker room and culture and everything like that and maybe even that changes like because i've gotten brushed back in that a little bit of like the kids that put their name in for the nba draft and go through the process so if you do that, maybe you get a little more time. That's fine. You put your name in for the draft process, maybe you get a little bit more time until after the the, the deadline uh, to withdraw from the draft. What do you, Martin, anything different or are you, you know, 30 days after? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, I think the kids that have come in and told me they wanted to transfer, I mean, they already know a couple options they have. I mean, some of them it's been done already. And I'll see guys on the road and be like, hey, we're getting calls about that kid in February or January. Like, you know how it works. And, uh, you know, the wild, wild west, it's just it, it makes it very difficult when you have really talented guys that have an extra year or could leave. Just, you know, what's out there on the periphery with AAU coaches and, you know, handlers and workout guys. And they're sniffing around with this kid has a great, um, you know, conference season to see what's out there, see what the market's. See, see what the market value is for some of these kids. So I think the sooner we know, the better. I think that protects us. I don't know if there's an ideal date, but 30 days seems pretty fair. Um, you know, if they were able to implement that, shorten the window from what it is now, I think that would help. Yeah, 60 days is, is way too long, right, Kenny? 60 days is way too long, uh, I think, for everybody. It, it just drags it on. We had two kids that were in the portal probably from the time that a week or so after we were done. Uh, until maybe, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, I agree with everyone else, 30 days probably after your last game, and uh, that's a large enough window for somebody, and I think both parties, uh, the university and the young man that's probably looking for the university kind of make a decision. How has your guys' recruiting philosophies changed since the portal has come into play? Coach Blakeney, I'll start with you. Do you look more so to high school players thinking that maybe high majors aren't going after them as much? Or have you thought, well, if I get a good high school kid and he becomes a good player here, he's he's just going to leave. How have you kind of approached recruiting? I've taken a look, Robbie, at it a little bit uh, differently. I, I look at it now as free agency, right? Um, we have a young man that is a really good player. He's a rising sophomore. He had a great freshman year. Um, we're very fortunate and lucky that he came back. He had a great experience and, uh, you know, really felt like having another year here with us would, would be great. Um, so, you know, understanding kind of the rhythm of where college basketball is going. If this young man has another year, like he did this year, um, 
he has some options maybe to go to another a power five school or possibly maybe go to Europe or do something like that. He's a, he's a, you know, uh, so the, the way I've looked at it is kind of twofold. Um, I took a high school kid. That's a little bit of a project to be like his replacement in a year. Um, thinking, you know, ahead and saying like, okay, if he's not here, um, I need somebody to kind of take his place and to step in that role right away. And we're not scrambling, um, you know, when he says he wants to leave. So I, I, I looked at it like that, but also a little bit kind of how like Jay talked about it, where, um, you know, if you take a young man who is a one-time transfer, so he transfers from his current university to your university, he's uh, a little bit locked into you at least for a year or a couple of years, unless he wants to, you know, sit out a year. Um, so those are kind of two ways, Robbie, to look at it. One is, can we replace guys with guys that are a little bit more projects and, you know, kind of bet that our player development work uh, will be significant enough that this kid can really grow over a year and step into somebody's uh, shoes. And then can we get a kid that's a little bit more seasoned and ready to go uh, if needed? So it, it's, you know, I've taken a look at it both ways. Coach Inglesby, what about you? How, how have you looked at recruiting? Yeah, I mean, similar. Uh, I think there's a balance to it. Um, you know, I think when I got into the coaching profession, you love recruiting high school kids and helping them grow and get better year over year. So I never want to kind of go away from that. I do think you got to be really smart. And I've told our coaching staff, if we're taking high school kids, you know, we better think that they got a chance to be all conference players, maybe by sophomore or junior year, or because I do think the high majors, we all know this, they're not taking as many of those high school kids. So maybe we can recruit a little higher, a little more talented player out of the high school ranks than maybe we weren't able to get a couple of years ago. But then also balancing that with some multi-year uh, transfers to know that we've had guys for like two to three years. So a little bit of balance between those two, but you know, don't settle for the high school kid that could be a you know, maybe a good player down the road. I think we looking for those guys that can come in and, you know, have a great freshman year, all rookie team and possibly be, you know, uh, on an all conference team as a sophomore. Coach Mullins, what about for you? Yeah, I think along the same lines. I mean, obviously, um, you know, like I mentioned before, I just think that fifth year of eligibility, um, you know, I never remember how much being old and staying old has been in discussion until these last couple of years, you know, in terms of building your program and being trying to compete for a championship at the top of the league. So I do think the 25, 26, 27, those classes, you know, you'll get be able to kind of hopefully have a stronger foundation in terms of the high school guys. I think you got to try to have a mix, but um, you know, you want to have continuity, especially at our level. I think that's how you, are able maybe to, you know, beat the BCS programs if you have good continuity in your program and the culture strong and, you know, all those things. So you want to try to have it a mix with maybe taking a one, couple one-time transfers and a couple grad transfers and a couple high school kids and try to piece it together the best you can. But just these last couple of years and including this upcoming year, you want to be old, I think, until this COVID class, which will be out of it next year, kind of goes through the system. Coach Young, anything different for you at Fairfield, or is it pretty much the same? No, I, th I think when I first got here, Robbie, you know, we're a very good academic school, and, and it was going to be, you know, 90% of your, 
your roster was going to be incoming freshmen that you were going to build around. Um, we weren't going to do a lot with junior college kids or, or, or really transfers for that matter. But that's certainly changed, you know, with the portal and the way that we're thinking now. And I agree with all, what everybody said. You're, you're kind of managing your roster. How many freshmen do you have? Um, how many guys transfers have you taken that can't go anywhere? How many guys that on your roster you think could have a good year and could leave you afterwards? Do you have backup plan if they do? So the thinking of the way you uh, make your roster up and manage it now is completely changed from when I first took the job here four years ago. Quick, quick question before Jeff takes us to NIL. Have you, have the four of you guys felt like you go out and recruit in the summer as much as you did prior to the portal? And we can start with Coach Young. That's that's fine. Yeah, we, you know, I'm still out. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of what we do. And, and part of it is you just kind of go out and you feel guilty if you're not out. But I think we all sit around and, and say the same thing, that, that you're wondering, you know, is this the best way to maximize your time uh, by being out in the summer so much? Are, are you better off, really? Like, we just started summer access here, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm, I'm already nervous about being away from your team. Um, you know, where, where should you be home and, and with these guys more uh, because of the portal and because how important relationships are? Coach Mullins. Yeah, I would say the spring, not as much because of uh, visits and, and, you know, building the roster back up. But I think for June, July period, pretty much the same. But the spring, I think, is the biggest change of everything. Coach Inglesby, same for you? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we have six transfers coming in. I feel like right when the season was over, we met with our guys. Um, and, you know, my question was really, like, are you coming back? I, I mean, I need to know. Uh, we need to aggressively attack the portal and see how many scholarships we have available. And then I feel like from there, it was visit weekends during the week. I'm tired of eating on Main Street. We we use that so many times with recruits and parents and, um, you know, AAU coaches, people coming to, to visit, but we had to be really aggressive with it. So uh, I was not out either of those weekends in April, but I've been out obviously a little more in June and July. Did you get honest answers from your players when you asked them? For the most part, I mean, two of our guys were grad grad transfers. I mean, Jameer Nelson's still here. Um, the only way he's been able to to be a grad transfer is by taking a ton of classes this summer. So he's still technically on our campus, finishing classes. Won't graduate here until August fourteenth. Um, so you know, had lunch with some guys, some individual meetings, and you know, honest conversations. And then I kind of had a, a game plan moving forward with what we had available, what we were gaining. And then, you know, strategize with our staff what we needed and and put a plan in place. So I think for the most part, you know, before I didn't address it, you know, we lost in the conference tournament 24 hours later, I met with everybody and, um, you know, talking about where they are, what their thoughts are. And then by that next day, I kind of knew what I had open to be able to go out and attack the portal with. Coach Blayton, have you been pretty similar in, in the summer here? Robbie, I've been totally different. I, I've been out like a day and a half. Um, wow. I, I haven't been out. Um, I, I went to a gym and I was just like, this freaking sucks. Um, watching the high school kids and seeing them and compared to some of the older guys that we've gotten in the portal, um, I, I just had to kind of take a hard look at how am I going to do things for our program that, you know, at Howard University. And uh, 
So I haven't put much emphasis in high school kids right now or recruiting. My emphasis has been on my current team and to see if we could, you know, with the six guys that we have coming in, uh, we have some walk-ons coming in as well. We'll have 23 kids on our team this year. Um, how can we connect those guys? How can we get these guys on the same page as soon as possible um, so we can almost like, you know, run it back a little bit if that's an opportunity for us to do it. Listen, the, the mantra in college basketball is, like you said, Brian, be old, stay old. Uh, imagine if Hummel had had a, a COVID year. I mean, talk about be old, stay old. <laughs> the abuse I take the here. Man, I only played five years. And I only actually played in four of them. So I don't, I don't want to hear this from you. Listen, <laughs> the more I say it, the more people believe it. That's, that's the, all that's that matters. True. That is true. Um, NIL. I'm I'm dying to get your, your takes on this question. Um Obviously, you're going up against high majors that have real NIL, right? Like, you go up against a Big 12 school. You know, obviously, Jameer goes to TCU. They, you can't compete with that NIL or really any of these high majors for the most part. Um, how do you navigate this now? How do you, Brian, I'll start with you, like, creatively, you know, you hear about some of these other schools doing, you know, maybe you do buy games to, to get some money that you can use for NIL in your program. Uh, you're talking about, I mean, I still think Calipari, the reason why he wants summer basketball is to get that money so he can use it for NIL. He may not say it, but I can't figure out any other reason why he'd want to have these games in the middle of the summer. What is it? How are you trying to do this? Because you don't have the same ability to, to get in the ballpark with some of these high majors NIL-wise, do you? Yeah, no, not in terms of, collective pots and, and the amount they can spend on their whole roster compared to you know we can you know I'm fortunate to be in a place that you know loves you know SIU basketball and everything like that um yeah I mean the the, the, the games you know obviously the NCAA I think came out with something a couple of weeks ago where you, you're not supposed to do the MTEs or the neutral site games for the collectives anymore and I think that kind of hurts at our level a little bit because that's a that's an opportunity for you to kind of grow your collective in, in that aspect um but i mean you know I, I think you know for us it's it's you know trying to make sure you know we do as much as possible for our guys you know and, and like i mentioned before you know we're not going to be able to pay five six guys six figures or anything like that um but i think in terms of having the relationships, the guys who are developing here and then trying to win at a high level. And, you know, when we do have guys drafted from our league and stuff like that, you know, guys see that and, and guys, I think, understand in terms of for the professional career that, you know, wherever you're at, you're going to get seen nowadays, you know, and, and the biggest thing is getting the opportunity and having a staff, you know, that believes in you and being able to show what you can do. So, you know, I think that's an advantage that, that we have as well. Martin. Any, anything that you've thought of? I mean, I know you don't want to give away any tricks here, but, you know. No, I mean, we're, we're not going to, I mean, honest, we're, honestly, we're not going to outbid any of those schools. I mean, the money that they're talking about and throwing around from a collective, I mean, it's trumping anything we can get close to here. I mean, the fact that we have a collective and we're able to, you know, uh, get our Borzello, guys. Hey, is, is Borzello? He does not. No, Borzello has not. And I saw him at Peach Jam and I was getting on his ass about it. But Unbelievable. Uh, I got to get so him down. Cheap. I know what he's making over there at ESPN. Yeah, yeah. He can afford to give you some money. Yeah. So, I mean, I know I tell our guys, hey, the more success we have, the more we win, the more money is in the pot to be distributed to those guys from an NAL standpoint. But, you know, when you're talking the figures that those schools are talking about, 
you know, we've tried to strategically talk to them about, you know, second round draft picks and the opportunity that they'd have here to do that, be the conference player of the year, lead your team to the NCAA tournament. You're more, more marketable to those NBA teams than you are as far as being one of six or seven guys. But in the end of the day, you know, we, we batted, uh, we're 0 for 7 when I've had those conversations with kids <laughs> about what that looks like. So I just kind of shake their hands and thank them for everything they meant for their program. And, you know, the one thing I will say, all the kids that we've lost over the years, they've loved their experience here. I mean, we play, uh, you know, down at NCANT this year, and Andrew Carr is in the stands behind our bench cheering us on and I almost wanted to grab a jersey and throw it to him at halftime because we were getting our butts kicked but um, you know that's the one thing as I look back on it those guys have had great experiences and you know the COVID year in the system have bought them an extra year to be able to do it I think once that gets flushed out maybe it restricts or you know some guys question it a little more because they're not getting that free year to do it so um, but yeah just kind of where we are. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Kenny, any, any thoughts on, on the NIL and what you can do? to? Because again, if a kid comes to you, and again, I, I don't know what Hawkins got from Minnesota, whatever it is. But some of these kids, you know, they're getting two, three, four hundred grand. You guys can offer, I, I don't know. I mean, it might be a few bucks or it might be, um, you know, deal with Subway or whatever it is. Like, how do you how do you honestly tell them, hey, you should stay? It's hard, isn't it? That, that, that's a good point, Jeff. I mean, it, you know, when it when you look at it, I was thinking through. Uh, the question as you were kind of going around the panel a little bit, and we had, you know, a couple kids from Power Five schools. Seth Towns just left Ohio State, um, and the NIL conversation never came up. We have uh, Dom Campbell that left Notre Dame, and the NIL conversation never came up. We have, you know, we, we have uh, Marcus Dockery, University of Maryland, NIL conversation never came up. Reese. Brown from UNLV and IO conversation never came up. We've we've tried to purely sell basketball 
our academics, our culture, our history, and our tradition. And if it's the right young man for our university and our program, then they're going to understand that and feel that. And uh, I think with the way that we've been able to kind of put our team together, um, you know, we, we don't have the infrastructure that some of the universities have, not even on this panel, we don't have. Um, and that's been something that I've been digging really hard in. We've raised money to get a practice gym that will be done in October, new locker rooms that will be done in January, new offices that will be done in January. Those things have been a little bit more important to me. Being able to pour in into our guys with massages, chiropractors, you know, the type of food that we eat, the type of, you know, sports psychology things that we can utilize that, that we have at our disposal. Um, I, I, we've made it all about our players and, and their kind of growth and development more so than anything else. And, and guys that are serious about basketball have really bought into that. Hey, Jay, um, when you lost Supreme Cook, he, he's just starting big. Uh, he leaves at the end. You had, you had told me, you know, the hardest part of it was your backup big had already transferred because he thought Supreme was coming back and Supreme was going to get 33 minutes or whatever it was till he files out. Probably uh, he was going to be in the game. You don't have a big, right. You don't have a big right now because of that, that situation. So you're still looking at this point. We're at July 12th and um, Hummel still might have a year of eligibility left though. He might. I'm old. We'll take I suck. I'm we'll old. Take I suck. You don't want me. <laughs> Yeah, what, I mean, what was that like, though? I guess what I'm getting at is what what the predicament. And again, you understand it to some degree, right? Like he's probably, I mean, he's making six figures at Georgetown. We we know that. So on one hand, you're saying I understand it. On the other hand, again, it's very very difficult. What was that conversation like? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people have asked me, Jeff, if I'm mad at Supreme, and I, I don't. I'm like Martin. I'm not mad at any. Uh, of the kids they they supreme's a great kid yeah played his ass off here for three years for me and uh the timing of it obviously was ideal to say the least uh we thought he was going to come back the whole time um but you know jeff there's so many voices that they hear uh from different people that you're kind of constantly fighting uh you you always wonder especially with nil out there you know who's talking to him. Uh, Martin said that, that you wonder if deals are already done. Um, but I don't, I don't fault Supreme at all. I, I wish him the best and, and I'm going to be rooting for him, but uh, certainly the timing of it has been a problem for us. And, and we had a very, a, a kid who was his backup um, who I liked a lot, was a good player and just playing behind him. And it was a fifth year kid. And at the end of the season said, I just want to go to a place where I think I can play more and be a starter. And I, I got it. I completely understood that. And, uh, you know, so now we've lost, we've lost both of them because of that, but, you know, we'll figure it out and, 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 uh, and make it work. But, uh, you know, I, I get that a lot. Are you mad at the guys? And I'm, I'm really not, I'm not mad at them at all. It's hard to be mad at them. Yeah. I mean, again, I guess at that point in time, it's, it's, it's difficult to comprehend because you wish you had known a month or whatever earlier, but it's hard to be mad at these kids. Again, if they're getting, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, um, and, and and you can't get in that that ballpark. That's it's got to be incredibly frustrating, but also understanding some of these kids and the situations they're in. Because if, if this had been all of us at the same time, 
we might have all done the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be rooting like hell for Supreme, and I think it's good for our program. You know, it's it's not great that he left, but if he has success at the next level, and and which I think he will, um, you know, I'm going to point to it and say, hey, you know, he, he got here. We were part of his development, and he's gone on now to play in the Big East and have success. So, um, you know, part of that is 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 I think that we can all take credit in the development of these guys, uh, and, and talk about that when we're recruiting. This is for all four of you guys, and feel free to, to jump in after the question, but how much fact or fiction is there in NIL? Because these deals get announced sometimes like it's the NBA, but there's no actual process like the NBA. It can be, it can be made up. It, is there a lot of lying that's going on with some of these NIL deals? I mean, I sense there is, um, you know, the more you talk to other coaches and, and they tell stories about, hey, this kid was getting this or you run into AAU guys and NBA guys and said these kids aren't even getting near what they're promised. Um, I, I just think, you know, I've used that to my advantage, I think, a little bit in some of the recruitment we've had. Hey, these schools might be telling you're getting this, but, you know, all these horror stories that are coming out with kids not even getting close and, you know, they're uh, over promising and under delivering from an NIL standpoint. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out over the next couple of years. And is this sustainable um, with these numbers that they're paying and these numbers that they're promising? Um, so I think I, my sense is there's quite a bit of fiction in it. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, people are trying to, you know, they're, they're just trying to throw out numbers to entice kids to leave. And then how much are they actually getting in the end of the day? You know, it's not even near what they're promised. Well, the, the hard part too, is these, um, lower level NIL agents, they're, they're the ones in, in a lot of cases that are getting these kids to put their name in the portal because they know they're getting 20% off the deal. So you're not talking about, Mark Bartlestein or Bill Duffy or Jeff Schwartz, you know, for those guys, this is peanuts. They're not even going to bother. But but you're talking about some of these agents that are getting involved. That to them, if they stack enough of these deals together, it's a it's a career. It's 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 real income for them. Um, so like I forget which one of you said it, but it's true. Like the information that these kids are getting sometimes uh, may not be real. And a lot of these kids a year ago did not have contracts. Did not have contracts. I think going forward, more and more of them, and anybody listening, any of these kids, get a contract. And don't pay 20%. Whatever you do, don't pay 20%. That's highway robbery. Anybody else? Anybody else want to jump in on that part? Um, I, I was going to ask any of you guys, you, know, you get into this for the right reasons, right? You're getting into it. None of you are thinking you're going to be making a million dollars or whatever, you know, to coach. Uh, most of you got in because, you know, you love coaching kids and being around kids and whatnot. And now you've got all this stuff going on. Uh, how many of you have, have legitimately given thought to the fact of, hey, listen, this may not be worth it anymore. Like this is wearing me down between mentally, physically, all of it. And maybe I either I'm not going to make it that much longer or I'm going to go be a high major assistant because that's going to be a lot easier than, than trying to navigate this every single year. Kenny. I'd be lying if I said I, if I, those thoughts didn't come right. Um, just being transparent. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's challenging. It's uh, 
when we go from, you know, the time that we have in July with our group recruiting high school kids, um, going through our season of eight months from August to March or whatever that is, April, um, it, it gets to a point where there's so much that weighs on you, Jeff, that you like the whole month of August this year, I'm going to be out West and, and just kind of relax and recharge and start to plan for my season and, and see if we can, you know, if I can get my energy back up to the point where I'm ready to go. Um, but it, it can beat you down. It can literally beat you down. So yeah, I, I've had those thoughts, all of the above. Um, is there something in the NBA? Is there something as a high major assistant? Um, you know, but you got to take a look at it. I think that, you know, but for me, having a chance to build something that is so unique that hasn't been done at Howard has always been the thing for me that has given me the drive to want to be there year in and year out. Martin, you've been hit, it feels like over and over here the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, beaten down? Like, how do you, you kind of deal with this from a, a mental standpoint? Probably some good wine every now and then with my wife. Um, but yeah, I think the pressure to win is always there. And I think when you get knocked back with a kid leaving, um, you know, that's uh, an all-conference player, an elite talent, it just kind of gets you questioning things at time. But then you go back to being on the court with your guys and being there and those relationships and it kind of – that's in the back of your mind. And, and, and that's the joy that I love as part of building a program and developing a culture and connecting with people. And, you know, there's definitely some hard moments, you know, the pressure to win and get it done and continue to build. You know, we go to the championship two years ago, we win the NCAA, you, know, you go to the NCAA tournament, you win 17 games last year. I felt like I won seven, you know, and then I got a good group coming back. And then our preseason player of the year, probably uh, in our league, you know, he, he leaves. And then it's like, you know what? You got some thick skin. You keep moving on and go get a, get another one and do it again. And, you know, but you know, your staff, your administration, the support you get, the alignment we have here at Delaware, you know, it kind of puts all that stuff in the back burner, trumps it. And, you know, the joy that you have being on the court and helping kids get better as basketball players and people. I think that's what gets me, you know, keep coming back to it. Brian, you're what? 30, what are you? 36, 38, somewhere 36, around there 36. 30, 36. You're going to have to deal with this for a long time, my man. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I haven't thought about getting out yet. Uh, that's what I mean. Like, like for you, you got to adapt, right? Like, you want to yeah, be in this for a while. For um, sure. Have the frustrations got the best of you at times or not Not yet? I mean, I think, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think if you asked head coaches 10 years ago, uh, it would be difficult to build a program and, and try to get a program to the top. Um now it's, you know, when you have NIL, transfer portal, and COVID all happen at the same time, three major shifts in college basketball, you know, it's just challenging at the moment and it's new and it's uncomfortable um, and trying to figure out the best solution, you know, try to build the program you want. But, um, you know, I just think, at least for me, the responsibility you feel as a head coach, you, you want to do well for the university, for your players, for your staff, you know, and that's the biggest difference, the mental part of it on a day-to-day -day basis that you feel um, that responsibility for. And uh, I think all of us coach because we want to see other people have success, whether it's our student athletes or our assistants, we probably have all experienced some success as a player or as a coach through our careers. And you want it so bad for other people, I think. And that's probably 
you know, when you're that close and maybe you lose a game at the buzzer or, you know, you have a chance to win and say a tournament game or you have a chance to have, you know, one of the best teams in the league come back and you don't have it. You know, it's not because of yourself. It's just because, man, you could sell out your arena next year. You could have packed crowds. Um, but it's just different right now, you know, and it's been different every single year for about two or three years since COVID hit. Nothing's really been the same, you know, for the last three years. And that's where, you know, where you're constantly changing, you know, how you recruit, how you build the program, how you schedule, what you, where you need to raise funds for all that stuff. And that's where I think there will be some stability eventually, you know, in the next couple of years, hopefully, where you kind of understand what's going to happen in the next couple of years in college basketball. It just hasn't been that way the last couple of years. I know a couple of us have just gotten jobs here in the last three or four years. So that's been the challenging part of probably building the programs. Is the silver lining, Jay, if there is one that like, all right, not just me in, in the league, like everybody's dealing with some of the same stuff. You're not competing with, you know, Kentucky and North Carolina. Like, you're not even thinking about them. You're thinking about your league, the other teams in, in the MAC. Yeah, I was with Greg Paulus the other day, and he asked me if I could name four guys on any team in the MAC. And I said, I don't know if I can name four on my own team. Never mind, <laughs> never mind in the MAC. But I think our league out of the first, you know, first, second and third team uh, all conference that uh, I think it was six graduated, eight transferred and one remains. So, you know, it's it's every team in our league is going through that. Um, so it does make you feel, Jeff, that, that if you get the right pieces, that you've got a chance yeah. to compete every single year. Rob, you got anything else? No, I think this was really informative, though. I I think it's just such a interesting, crazy time in college basketball. So thanks, thanks everybody for coming on. Yeah, thanks guys. Uh, really appreciate it. I, I think this perspective was was needed uh, because I, I think a lot of people don't know exactly what you guys are going through um, and, and what can be done. And it, it sounds like honestly, there's not a whole hell of a lot right now with with, with the way the rules are uh, that can be done to protect you guys. Um, you know, I, I wish you guys the best of luck. Honestly, I think a lot of this sucks, honestly. Um, but you know, again, it's kind of, uh, you just got to find a way to adapt and deal with it and, you know, coach and develop the guys that you have that year. And then, you know what, next year, you know, you're going to have a completely different team and, and loyalty. Yeah. It means something, but ultimately not a $400,000 or $300,000 is on the table. Then loyalty, it's like, hey, guys, you know what? Thanks. Uh, but go ahead and go to that high major and, and have fun. So uh, thanks to all you guys. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks to everybody uh, joining us here on the Field of 68. Uh, thanks to Hummel for postponing his golf game for a day. Um, right, Rob? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, there's there's a reason that my mom said the other night, why yeah. does Jeff pick on you so much? And I'm like, I'm 34 years old, mom. I can handle Jeff by myself, but it's pathetic that she asked that because the question. Oh, like, I love your mom. We got to get your mom on the pod. One of these. She'll days. never come on. She'll She's never gotta come on. She's got to come on at some point. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Uh, good luck. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. All right, Jeff. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.